You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. That's the trifecta of the construction business. We all want that, right? Well, after working and talking with hundreds of builders and remodelers over the past two years, BuildBook has discovered the one common ingredient that determines the success of your construction business, the client experience. Yes, if you drop the ball anywhere in the client experience from the first impression to the final payment, things get super messy super quickly. BuildBook has spent the past several months developing the first-of-its-kind platform that focuses on helping you deliver throughout the client journey the one thing standing between you and achieving the trifecta of construction. It starts with marketing tools to attract the right leads, add in sales tools so you can win the best projects, and finish with project tools that knock your client's socks off. If you're looking for an unfair advantage in your business, this is it. Head on over to buildbook.co now to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. Wes, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Spence? Good, good. It looks like uh, Ranger's with us today as well. Yep, he's looking looks for like a, he's got fleas. Yeah, looking for <laughs> fleas. Just kind of flea nope, yeah. so flealess dog. Brooks, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, sidebar there, every time my dog scratches his ear, my father-in-law thinks, has he got a flea? Has he got a flea? We got a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just scratching his neck. Just, just normal, <laughs> normal stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Guys wearing two colors, you know. It's, it's oh yeah. Great. Well, uh, this morning I was reading, uh, reading through some some Forbes online, and I saw this this article that apparently somebody is really close to figuring out flying cars, and wow, that, that, that he, awesome. he is predicting that he will have a car aloft in the air flying around 2023. They showed some images of it. There's like five, they kind of looked like helicopter propellers, you know, but smaller, just kind of, kind of looked more like a helicopter with lots of propellers. Like a, maybe just like a big drone or something. Basically. Yeah. The reason they had five was I guess if one or two go out, it can still, you know, stay, stay aloft for a little bit or get you down. But I guess Toyota pumped 400 million into them earlier this year. So, wow. We'll see, but I don't know. Have you guys ever uh, seen anyone else attempt the, the flying car before? Yeah, they've been attempting the flying car since the 1950s. <laughs> this could be it. Yeah, this, this could be the it. time. Yeah, I mean, that's but, what you know, eventually years? the stars align and you have a flying car, but we'll see. Oh, it'd yeah. be amazing. Look at all the lanes of traffic up in the air. That'll be crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Part of the article talked about that. He was like, yeah, this will be great because then we can turn all of our city streets into parks and it'll just be a more enjoyable living experience or something. With all this like worrying over your head. <laughs> all these cars yeah. falling out of the sky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he did say that it, it's supposedly the propellers are quieter than than helicopters, but they didn't say how much quieter. So <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, they're quieter than a Chinook, you know. Yeah. You hardly you hardly hear them when they detach from the car and come scything towards you. <laughs> yeah, they only make noise when they land on the ground and crash. Right. <laughs> so anyway, kind of interesting. We'll looking we'll forward see. to it. The future is always a fun place to look into. Today we we wanted to kind of dig into like mission statements and core values, and I think this is kind of an interesting topic when it comes to. I think family business, business in general, I think it's one of those topics that's often looked at as, I don't know, kind of like frou-frou or kind of out there. It's like, oh, you need these like words and phrases that you live by and, uh, you know, let's stick some words on a wall. And so I was hoping we could kind of deconstruct that because I know you guys have gone through a pretty extensive process with the Powell companies and done different things over the years. But I guess to kick things off, Brooks, you know, why do you think this is important or do you think it is important to have kind of a set of core values for the business? It's important to have core values because you're trying to you know, recognize why are we in business. And so it's a way to communicate to your team members, you know, here's why we're here. I mean, you as a business owner may totally understand, oh, this is why we're doing it. This is what our goals are. This is what our mission is. But as you bring people on to the company and you want to work on that culture, um, that's something you really have to have. Yeah. Wes, any initial thoughts on just the general importance or should we just scrap it? <laughs> no, I, well, I, I, it is an interesting process and problem to identify your core values. And we can talk about some of the pitfalls too of trying to develop that. But if you actually can identify what is important to you and then you can use that to really make sure that the folks that you have are aligned to that, or you can have them help you develop your core values. Your core values are already there in your company, whether you write them down or not. I mean, they're displayed in everything that you do every day. You just may not realize it or think about it. So the key here with trying to get it down on paper is to make sure that you are actually have thought about it and that you agree with your core values. <laughs> you, know, you may be acting one way. So let me put it this way. You may act a particular way in business. And then over on the wall, you may have this set of core values that you develop that don't align with how you actually operate. And that, that really doesn't work because everyone can see what's really baked into the cake, you know, as to how you operate. So I think it's important to identify what's already in existence. And then if you don't like it, you can start to work on changing it. But that's not necessarily an easy task in and of it. But I think identifying it helps get everyone aligned around that. And it helps you make hiring decisions. It helps you make decisions in your business. It can be a very powerful tool. That being said, most companies have something tacked up on the wall that nobody looks at. They don't discuss. And, you know, it's just window dressing. Yeah. Yeah. You said something interesting there that I guess that their core values already exist. 
whether you write them down or not. So I guess, how do you go about identifying if you haven't gone through this process of building and thinking about core values and writing them down, but also making them a part of the culture? How do you go about identifying those if you're going, hmm, what are what are the core values that are happening right now in the company? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, good question. I think the first thing is you have to assemble your team, the folks that are going to help you write down and a step, you know, so you're going to get your leadership team together. I think it's also good as you're thinking about your core values to also try to identify within your company. And these people may not be part of your leadership team, but one or two people that you think actually exemplify what you think your core values are or what you, you know, go, yeah, that, that person, that's kind of the person that exemplifies who we are as a company. And I think that one of the key things to remember about core values is that unlike some other things that you develop over time, like your mission statement and so on, your core values are foundational to who you are. So they don't really change and they're different for every company. So you can't just go peel off someone else's core values and, you know, use them for your own. But here, I'll give you an example of, you know, we talked about how core values, everyone's core values are, are different. I pulled up Zappos and I don't know, it's just in the news, but Tony Shea, unfortunately, was just killed in a tragic fire at the age of 46. But, you know, really a tragic thing, but uh, a brilliant entrepreneur. And everyone tried to identify, hey, what's so special about Zappos? And they developed their core values and, and listened to a few of these. Well, you know, embrace and drive change. Well, you do hear that a lot, but he has things like, uh, do more with less. Okay. That may be different than other companies like do more with more, <laughs> you know, be adventuresome, creative, and open-minded, be passionate, determined, be humble, be open and uh, honest with your relationships and your communication. So what he's doing, he's laying out these core values that you can use that really to drive your decision-making within the company. But here's another, uh, another set of core values from Rackspace. They're a tech company. Uh, there's our fanatical support in all that we do. Full disclosure and transparency. Treat fellow rackers like friends and family. So, you know, different core values. And some of those different core values will drive how people act within the company. But you can always use those core values to go back to and go, am I acting in accord or in alliance with my core values? I would recommend to you a book by Gino Wickman. This is one that Brooks and I used when we developed, went through this core value process at, uh, at our property management company. And it was very, very helpful. So uh, Gino Wickman, and it's called Traction. So uh, you can also look for Rockefeller Habits. Um, that's another good one to use. And we can put up a list of books. I've got about 10 or 11 that folks might be interested in. We can put it up in the notes. But you know, when you're trying to identify your core values, you can go through some exercises with your key group. So you know, you can have everyone write out 10 words or phrases that they think describe the company. And then you can get together and discuss it with your neighbor and try to come down to, you know, your top four words. And then you can throw them all up on a whiteboard. And then you guys can all discuss it. And you can winnow that list down and down and down some core phrases and keywords, and then really start to develop what those mean for the company. And this process takes a while. G. Brooks, how long did it take us to do oh, that? It took six months. And, uh, you know, we had to lead the process to get it going because we didn't have any 
you know, stated core values or mission statement at the company, but it was, it was kind of a painful process. I would say, I mean, it was enjoyable with the team, but I think it was, I mean, you're really stretching your brain a different way, you know, but it, and it took time and, and it took, uh, you know, Wes, you know, consistently saying, Hey, we're meeting on this every month and we're working on it. And, you know, he led the team through it and it worked well. And I think, you know, then once you're done, you have to continually, you know, refer back to the core values. And just as we're having this conversation, it's making me think, Wes, yeah, we need to be doing more with that to support the team. I mean, we have a good, uh, a great team and they're doing a great job with the core values, but, you know, from where we're at, we need to do more to refer back to those on a, I I would agree with you. You can always do more. I've been through this process at least twice, maybe three times over the years. And I can say that it's worked once out of the three. Hmm. Um, I mean, twice. I feel like Spencer, the process that you went through at Builder Funnel uh, was successful in those core values. And uh, I feel like for the our management company was successful. I didn't think it was very successful with my direct mail company that I had. And a lot of how successful your core values are is if you take the next steps once you establish your core values. So you kind of have to go, okay, well, these are our core values and we live them and we're going to use them. So how can you use your core values? Well, one thing you can use them for is hiring. So, you know, being very upfront, well, here are core values. You know, do you see anything here? that you don't really align with. And maybe there's some ways that you can use in your interview process to kind of figure out if the, the interviewee is going to align with those core values. And if they don't, you you want to move on. It doesn't mean that they're not a good person. It just means that they're not aligned with that particular set. So you might have a person who's like, hey, you know, profit above all, you know, I'm a real hard charger, whatever. And maybe your core values are we provide a home-like environment and, you know, family above profits. Well, okay, that person isn't going to fit in very well with your core values. It's good to know that up front. And then you don't have to go through a long, painful process of going, oh, I like this person. I'm going to hire them. And, you know, you go through a two-year process where it doesn't work out and then they leave. So that's one way you can use your core values pretty effectively. Yeah, we that was one thing that we actually put into, we have an apply page on our website of when people are applying for a job. And then Immediately upon submitting resume cover letter, they get a thank you email that says, here are our core values, review those before the first interview, and, and they have to go through those. They may actually even be on the page before they fill out the form where they have to review those. But yeah, we found that using that up front and then even just that first interview more as a core values interview versus a skills assessment or skills type interview because... If they don't check that box, the rest of it doesn't even matter. I mean, they could be the best skilled position, you know, or they could fit all those boxes. But if they don't fit culture-wise or core values-wise, then you don't want to to pull that trigger and and bring that person on. I guess also use it in decision making. You know, Mm -hmm. I think uh, so. If the management team and everyone with that throughout the company really embraces the core values, and there's a lot of discussion about it and examples brought forth of using core values to make decisions, it can really help get people aligned and free them to really be their own, not their, you know, their own boss in a way where, Hey, I made this decision based on our core values and the manager might say, well, okay, I I get that. Maybe not exactly the same decision I would have made, but I totally respect that. And 
you know, so it allows some more autonomy as well within the, the management of the company. It also gives whoever's, you know, the leader in the company something to refer back to as they do work with people on decision-making and how companies, we've had two leadership changes, you know, in the leadership team, just as people have moved on to different things. And it's easier to bring people on and say, well, hey, here's our core values and here's how we're operating. And then whoever's running the company can refer back to those. And as they train people and as they, as Wes said, as you help people make decisions, say, hey, you know, refer back to the core values here, what we're working on. One of the things I was going to mention, you know, once you've established the core values, I think one thing that uh, the management team at Powell has done a really good job with, and I say this not for Brooks and me, because we're not the one who's driving this. This is really our, our top folks there. They do a really good job of keeping the core values front and center. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, they will they will meet with all the staff, you know, monthly and talk about a specific core value. They'll provide examples of people that have exemplified that core value during the month. They'll provide some, you know, fun remuneration, you know, uh, fun giveaways as rewards. Like, hey, this is a great example, and you know, so Betsy here did a fantastic job with this particular core value and. You know, here, here's a, a $20 gift card or something like that. And that's really helped, I think. It's the regularity of the review. Regularity. Top of mind. If you don't do that, you might as well just don't go through the process. I think it's important as a, as a business owner, you have to decide if that's something that's important to you. It's not worth doing if you're like, well, they say I should do this. This will make me more money or do something. It's You have to believe it in your heart that it's something important because if it's it's not, it's just don't bother, you know, because it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of work to maintain it. It's a lot of work to, it's a great tool, but if you find, you know, if you're a business owner, you've got to be able to do enough to at least have your leadership team do, you know, use the core values. But if you can't even, you know, get through the, the process where you get through it and you're like, yeah, well, that's great. I don't really care. It'll just, it's a waste of time. It'll just die immediately. And, you know, we've all worked places where, you can tell the owner just, yeah, he might say the right thing, but it's like, yeah, he doesn't really think that. Yeah, it doesn't walk the walk. Oh, who was it? Um, oh, big management consultant, uh, written a lot of books. Uh, Good to Great. Who wrote Good to Great? Oh, Jim Collins. Jim Collins. So one of the things he always talks about is having the right people on the bus. And then there's a big debate in his book about, well, do you put the right people on the bus first or do you put them on second after you've figured out your core values? And I think in his or, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And I think in his mind, you put the right people on the bus first. But I would say that most of the time, from a practical standpoint, you already have people. You know, you've got people on staff and maybe you're you finally gotten to the point where you're thinking, you know, I want to take my company to the next level. So I really need to buckle down and start thinking about some of these things from a business level rather than a, Hey, I'm just surviving and I'm making payroll and all that other stuff, which you got to do first. You got to do first. Yeah. When you get, but when you get that little bit of breathing room, you say, well, I need to look at my business and really start to think about that versus the technical parts of my business. You know, how do I do what I do? And so once you go through and establish and really refine what your core values are, then the next step really is to look at, how well aligned are your people with your core values? So this is the super painful part 
<laughs> yeah, this is a super painful part. So is this uh, is this the part from traction with the like check boxes and the core values right, and the yeah, people? So yeah, read the book, traction. Uh, you'll, you That's know, why they call it that. You feel like, like you're in traction when you're doing those plans. You make a list of everybody in the company, including yourself, and you know, essentially, you're going to put your core values. So let's say you put everyone down in a column <laughs> on the left side, and across the top, you list your six core values. And then you're going to go through and just create a matrix and go, well, you know, let's just take me west. Does he exemplify core value number one? Yes, no, sometimes. You know, and you're going to do that for each core value and do it for every single person on the team. And you may look at it and go, gosh, you know, this person and maybe yourself, but doesn't is not hitting hitting all the marks and they're missing them by a substantial margin. You have to decide. Long term, is that person going to be right for the company, or are you going to need to make a change around that that particular position? And they really need to be hitting yeses, or most of the time on most of the boxes. If they're if they're hitting nevers on some of these different core values, probably long term it's not a good fit. They're going to be unhappy. You're going to be unhappy. Maybe there's already friction there, and that's why because you didn't even realize it until you figured out what your core values were and realized there's a disconnect. So then you can work with that person and say, okay, are we going to make this move in order to, can you have a conversation with that person? Can you move that person to align with the core values or is it not going to happen? And I'm going to help this person find another place with another company where they're a better fit. And Sometimes you can have that conversation, that person going, hey, you know what? doesn't seem like it's a good fit. I want you to find something else. I'll work with you until you find something else, you know, and over the next three months or two months or whatever it happens to be. Or to a graceful, whatever a graceful exit is so they can go on and be happy somewhere else. One thing it makes me think of as we're talking about core values is, is you always got to, as you're, as you're listening, you got to roll back and say, okay, is my business in a position where I can work on core values? You know, if you're working on survival, this does not, the core values is probably not something you're going to have time for. You know, you need to have your sales system set up. You need to have your accounting system up, your cash flow, things that you can like, okay, I can breathe a little and now I can work on core values. But if, you know, if, you're, if your sales are not consistent, if your cash flow is not consistent, those systems need to be put in place first. And it's an interesting discussion, Wes. I mean, you may disagree. Yeah, about I, yeah I think about it. And I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, this, plane, this plane is flying and we're trying plane to build is already flying. Plane, right? Yeah. The plane is already flying. You need to make sure you're meeting payroll and doing all those right. things, that you're checking all those boxes. But I think you can, even as the owner, you can spend some time reflecting on That's true. what your core values are. And you don't have to make it a big team operation at first. You know, you can simply look deep into yourself and figure out what you and and maybe your spouse or, or whoever your other partners are in the company, you guys can decide and think about that and come to some clarity. And you're, you're right. And that, it does, it takes, an, I guess I'm thinking, it takes an extra bit of energy and effort. So if yeah, you're already yeah. feeling maxed out, this is not going to help you feel, <laughs> you know, less maxed out. So it, I think you're right. right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But if you do have a little breathing room or you can make that a little bit of extra effort, I think it will help maybe clear up some of those problems that you might be having because your decision making might get a little bit better. It might be a little bit more consistent. You might well, as you guys are talking, it feels like this is one of those classic like 
you got to carve out the time to work on the business yeah. versus in, you For know? Sure. And so, you know, to your point, Brooks, like you're surviving, you're in the whirlwind, you're doing all that. But like, if you're going, okay, what am I doing to work on my business? Like a core values activity could be that, or it could be building a system. Like you said, you need to get your sales systems dialed in, but probably you should have some percentage of your time where you're always trying to work on the business, even if it's... Yeah, no, that's, that's, I guess that's the, the point I was not making very well, which is, yeah, you have to be working on your business as a business. And so core values is, if things are running, I think Wes brings up a, a better point, which is, you know, do your, if things are running and functioning, you know, if you're going to take this extra effort, work on your core values first. I think that's a great, a great point. And then that will help drive other decisions you make as you move forward. The more time I spend in the marketing business, the more I realize that marketing isn't just about your website, signage, social media, and print collateral. Marketing really sits across every part of your business. It starts with your brand, your signs, your website, but it continues on through the sales process. How you present yourself and your company on a sales call incorporates marketing. And just as importantly, how you deliver your service to your client is marketing. The feelings that they have in the middle and the end of the project are big factors in determining whether they will spread the word about you. At the end of the day, marketing across the entire customer lifecycle is really tough. That's why I love what BuildBook is up to. They've been working hard to bridge those gaps and solve those problems. Their new tools start on the marketing side, continue into the sales conversation, and finish with the project. Get these three elements working together and your business will be humming along. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. If you're aiming for the trifecta of the construction business, head on over to buildbook.co to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm kind of interested too, because Wes, you said that you think this process maybe worked for you twice and not once. I want to come back to that in a second. Brooks has how many times have you gone through this process, do you think? I've never gone through the full traction process that Wes took us through. And so that was, a, I've tried to do it just myself in different times and different reiterations that, and it failed every time, but you know, the failure came back to me. I mean, Why do you think it, it was? Why do you think it I, failed? I just didn't, I didn't continue on with it. I didn't, you know, someone's got to be the cheerleader and not everybody in your ownership group is going to be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Or like, yeah, whatever, you know, <laughs> fine. That's what you want to do. You know, so if you're a sole proprietor and you believe in this, then you can push it through. But, but it is an uphill battle all the time. I mean, it, because your leadership team, you know, I mean, think about that, Wes, you know, when we did that for the six months we did it, you know, it was, we really had to keep going and push through because things are busy. There's crises, you know, people are like, oh, I can't get there because I've got a problem here. There's a fire here. So you have to push through to get to the core values. And then you have to keep taking time out and saying, yeah, well, let's, let's work on the core values and see how we're implementing. Because that just takes, it takes staff time. You know, so it takes commitment. And I'd say probably, the failure was I wasn't committed to it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And I would agree with that, Brooks, <laughs> not that you weren't committed to it in your process, but I, I think Spencer, you know, you asked, well, you know, about the time that it didn't work. And I would say the same thing that Brooks said, which is I love the idea. And so I was interested in that. 
but I wasn't interested in the, there's two areas of hard work that I was not interested in, or I certainly didn't, not enough interest to make it happen. One is interested to make sure that we constantly were revisiting this on a regular basis, talking about it, seeing examples within the company, using it for decision-making, you know, really baking it in and making it part of our management culture. Uh, that was one. And two, I was not willing to take the difficult steps around having the right people on the bus. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so a tough biggest, one. Yeah, that, which I think is the hardest thing. Now, we got really lucky. <laughs> I would say we got super lucky when we went through this process at our management company, number one, our executive vice president, who was our top person, she really embraced it and was very interested in it. And then the team, the leadership team that we had involved, they also embraced it. And it's really been that team that has kept it all going more so than, than Brooks and me. Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's so, this conversation makes me, you know, look inward again and go, <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, but they really have done a good job. And, you know, we'll check in and say, oh, you guys using core values and how is that going? And it's always amazing to me what a good job they do with that. And they reference it. You know, you'll be having a conversation with different folks and within the company and they'll reference a particular core value, which I think is just so awesome and gratifying. But it's really hard to get to that spot. And you won't ever get there if you don't take the hard step, if you need to, of getting the right people on the bus. Yeah, and those yeah. steps do have to happen. They do have to. And I think the more, you know, if you're if you struggle with that on a kind of an HR standpoint, you know, there's a lot of good HR consultants in your area that can help you figure out how to make those hard steps. You know, if you're a sole proprietor and you have 10 people and hiring is probably and firing is one of the worst things you ever have to do. Lots of good part-time HR people that can help you work through that to help you make those decisions and make those transitions that you need to make. So I'll just give an example of um, why it can be hard to make those decisions. And there's something that that I read about one time is called uh, expert power. So, so you may have someone in your company that has what's called expert power. And an expert is somebody who really understands a particular technical operation or some mechanical part of your business that's, you know, what you consider to be a critical part of your business. And so when that, so if you have someone in that position of being, having expert power, but they don't fit your core values, let's say, let's say they've got a terrible temper, you know, they're constantly, you know, blowing their top and taking out, you know, the person standing next to them, you know, verbally, but man, they can really do this particular thing really well. The tendency, depending on your personality, certainly mine's got, well, you know, that person, I can't do without that person. That's a good example. They have too much, they have too much expert power. Yeah. And so if you can't get past that, then your company will stick. You're stuck. You're stuck. And what I found out over time is I had different folks that maybe had expert power and other companies that I had, you know, when they left on their own accord, you discovered amazingly that you were able to handle that exit and move on and take care of those, you know, things that you thought, oh my God, this is the only person in the world who can do this, which is not true. 
as you know, there's lots of other solutions for things. It doesn't mean that it won't be painful, but be painful, you know, yeah. if your entire culture turns around within your company because that that person that maybe didn't fit your core values but had expert power left, what a, kind of a benefit is that to you? How much more money can you make? How more successful can you be? How much happier can people be? Um, well, I think you have to you you have to ask yourself that question, which is. Okay, if this person has the expert power, a lot of times it will be around proprietary software, or you know maybe it's a sales system. This person's a great salesperson, and you think, well, if they leave, I'm totally screwed. It's like, well, what kind of business systems do you have? You're just you got a business that's around this one person. So you're so then it would help you think about that and go, oh, I really need to set up a system that will survive, and I can move people in and out of this position as this time goes up. Whoever that person is who's got the expert power, they're not staying forever. Yeah. No, they're not. To your point, Brooks, about the systems. Yeah, if you have good systems, it does allow people to come in. If you know, if you have good training systems for first, you know, how do we do things? How do we do it? Then then you can bring somebody else in from that replacement. That being said, there is the the talent component in anything. And I, I think it's unfair to totally dismiss talent because a talented person working within a great system can just be on fire. You know, they can do fantastic things, but you can fall into the trap of thinking there's only one talented person in the world (laughs) working within my system. So just don't, just don't go that down that road. There's, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. As you were kind of describing that expert power, it made me think of, you know, anytime you have somebody in the company that, they're just a total poison and they're a drain. Like you feel it. And they're, they're like all the way on the end of that spectrum. And whenever they leave, whether it's by their own choice or you make the decision. And then there's kind of this like sigh of relief among the team. Everyone's like, Oh, you know, finally, it feels like the the person that has the expert power is kind of like towing the line. They're not all the way over there, but they're definitely a poison. And so I think that's why we tend to get stuck in those situations is because they're, they're not at the point of super pain. They're like, this is annoying and frustrating, but they have this expert power. And so they're kind of sitting in the, the middle there, which makes the decision, I think, all, all the more difficult. Yeah, the it, it kind of ebbs and flows, you know? So yeah. like one day- Oh, they were good today, yeah. <laughs> oh, it wasn't so bad. And, you know, they did this and it was great. Um, so yeah, that, well, and we know, you know, as we all know, people issues- are always the hardest and most challenging thing. Yeah, kind of a good, a good, a good metric could be, you know, it, you know, if you're talking about this person every day, maybe there's a problem. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's yeah. kind of like if you have like, oh, I need more sales, and you're talking about that every day. Well, you need to fix your sales system, you know, or your we can't deliver anything on time. Well, we need to figure, you know, figure out our delivery system. You know, those things that you talk about every day are probably your greatest pain points, and that's where. The e is a great book about that because you work on your systems to get rid of your pain points. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you you may be the pain point oh, for all yeah. your employees. In fact, lots of times that, that is the case. I mean, yeah. we're all we're all our employees' worst enemy in the sense that we micromanage them or we don't give clear instructions or we don't provide systems or, you know, on and on and on and on. And on. We talk so, too fast. Well, it's so interesting because I, I was thinking about what you had said earlier about, you know, if you, 
you already have core values if you haven't written them down. There's something that already kind of exists. And I was thinking about the process that we went through to create the core values. And I think I kind of got lucky at the start because I had already just been doing some things. So we like we meet once a week as a team to share new articles and trends and things that we're seeing. And we would read a book once, you know, we'd meet once a month and we'd share on what we were learning and, and talking about. So then when we got to the point of creating core values, always be learning was one of the core values, but we were already doing some things that reflected that. So it was easy to keep those things going because they weren't new things. But to your guys' point, I think I'm, I kind of fit in that classic, you know, entrepreneur spot where like love the new idea, love getting something started and then terrible at keeping it going. (laughs) And I think to your guys' point, it almost feels like once you have the core values, that's where it starts and you have to keep it going. And so, you know, we were able to keep some things moving just because we had already kind of been doing them. And then when I got somebody else in place to kind of keep those things moving very much like you guys said, you have a great team that actually is behind the core values and wants to practice them and talk about them and give examples, you know, that keeps it going because that's where I tend to fall down is like, Hey, we got this. It should just go, but it takes yeah, a lot of energy and effort and it doesn't yeah. just go. <laughs> it doesn't just go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that reminds me of, you know, if folks do read the book by uh, Gina Wickman called traction. I think one of the concepts he talks about in the book is, is that you have a, uh, you know, kind of your founder, your entrepreneur sort of person at the top, usually the owner and they're, you got to have new ideas, right? You got to have fresh product. You got to have all those types of creative things. But you also need this role called what uh, Wickman calls the integrator. And so the integrator is the person who manages to get things out the door and things produced and keeps the team coalesced and and integrates all the concepts of the business together and does a good job of of pulling that um, and making sure that the, the wheels stay on, stay on the bus. And lots of times those are not the same person. You know those functions. Yeah, so never be the, the same. creative function and the integration function. Lots of times, totally different. The same person because they just—it's hard for that to exist inside one one person. We should carve out another conversation to talk about that because I just finished up his his follow up. I think I, he has several books, but it's called Rocket Fuel, and it's all about that relationship between the integrator and the visionary as a visionary or a founder, you know, if a lot of you listening, you know, run your company or your partners in the business, it just started clicking for me. Oh my gosh. Like no wonder all of this stuff is because there's only, I think he says in the book, there's only about 5% of the population is kind of that integrator personality. Whereas there it's more common to have the visionary kind of idea. You know, I think it was 10 or 15%. I'm probably getting the numbers off, but it was far less in that integrator role. And, and you can do both to a point, but everyone kind of caps out pretty quickly in trying to be the, the visionary and the, the integrator. So maybe we'll, we'll uh, punt that to a future discussion. But I'm curious to maybe pull out some examples of how we keep core values top of mind and going. I know you said you guys aren't as active in that once you kind of install the process, but what are some of the things that your team is mentioning to you when you say, hey, how are the core values going? Like, what are some of the things that they're doing to keep keep them top of mind and keep them ingrained in the company? One thing is that they're part of um, the staff meetings. Um, so when the teams meet on the campuses, they're the uh, 
executive directors are talking about them. They're they're rewarding people for using the core values. We act and we have residents on our campus, and we actually the residents participate, and they mm. and they get a can put in a, a card and say, hey, you know, so and so exemplified this core value, and then and so it gets it actually throughout the whole campus, both residents and employees. But it's just that regular drumbeat of whatever you decide or those different things you're going to do. We talk about them at leadership meetings once a month with the leadership team. And and um, we go through, hey, well, how does this exemplify the core values? And how do you use the core values this this month? Um, so people are, are forced, you know, to be like, oh, yeah, to think about it. Whereas yeah. you might be like, yeah, okay, great. You know, but so it's you're someone that that integrator person has to bring that back and bring it back and bring it back and bring it back. Whereas the visionary is like, well, I'm bored of that. Moving on, you know. Yep. <laughs> squirrel. You know? Yep. There's always uh, another squirrel. Yeah, go ahead, Wes. Oh, I was just thinking about it. One of our one of our core values is we embrace change, thinking creative solutions to challenges. And that's an interesting core value for us, especially with the pandemic that's been going on. And so I think, you know, the, the staff has been talking a lot about that particular core value. The other one that they've been talking a lot about is with an upbeat, energetic, positive attitude, we are optimistic, even in times of adversity. Mm-hmm. So, and that's really helped too, you know, okay, how do we present ourselves to the world and to our customers? You know, okay, we're going to be optimistic. We're going to be upbeat, even though we're in a very adverse situation. And I think that's really helped them in the fact that they do talk about it and they think about it and they go, this isn't just on me. You know, this is something that the company is doing. You know, everyone in the company is going to do this. We're all going to strive for that. We're going to support each other in that. So, you know, no one's going to say, well, you should be more downbeat. (laughs) You're you're too optimistic. You're too cheerful. You know, things are really bad. You say, nope, you know, that's not, doesn't align with our core values. You know, we're going to, we're going to power through this and we're going to do it with a smile on our face. And I think that's been pretty helpful for everybody to have these core values over the last seven months to, to lean on as we work our way through this. Really, it's a big challenge for our industry because we have assisted living and independent living, retirement, housing communities. And so those have been really kind of a, a hot spot for this, uh, for this last uh, seven months. And um, I think the core values have really helped everybody get through this and, and meet the challenges. Yeah, I think the, those are really good examples, you know, from both of you, because I think sometimes you hear something like this, again, going back to what I said at the beginning with core values, you're kind of like, yeah, you know, or you have a tendency to maybe not see the business value or the business case for it, which everyone wants to always know, you know, know that. But I think Oftentimes it is during tougher times when those core values really band you together. But I think they also help you accelerate when things are going really well, because typically that means there's a lot of change, a lot of growth, maybe new people. And, you know, so if you have those core values to lean on, then at least you've got that, you know, uh, consistency across across everybody. Brooks, as we kind of wrap up conversation around core values, any final words of wisdom or just general like takeaways from our chat today? You know, that traction book is a great way. I mean, you know, find something to help guide you. You can't do this on your own. 
probably don't have to pay someone to take you through the process, but if you're, but you have to decide as the business owner, as the ownership team, hey, this is something we think is important for us to uh, do so our company can grow and be a better place to work. So I say definitely use a guide and, and realize it's going to take a year. It's going to take time. Yeah, I think that consistency piece and, and sticking with it, I, I would say if your company is growing rapidly, it's probably more important than you think to, to get this nailed down because when your company is one person, you know, it's you, you exemplify your core values, whatever they happen to be, whether you've written it down or not, get to three to five people, you know, now those other people are starting to impact what the core values are of the company just through their activities and how they present themselves to the world. And so, and that may be great. You may have a fantastic culture and everyone kind of intuitively knows what their core values are. But once you start to grow rapidly and hiring gets maybe pushed down the ladder, maybe you're not doing all the hiring anymore. It's very easy to start to bring people on that are not aligned with your core values and you don't realize it. And all of a sudden you've got more growth problems that are related to people and having the right people there than maybe around your systems. So I would say if you're growing rapidly, I would definitely start carving out time and trying to figure this out because it's so important to the people portion of your business, getting the right folks all together that are aligned and, and wanting to go in the same direction. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, those are good takeaways. And I've, I've found that to be true for us this year. I mean, just in the, the using core values to hire, you know, that use case and where they're super applicable. Is huge because if you're moving fast and you have a mishire and you have to let somebody go and then go through the rehire process, like you just lost so much time and energy and, you know, team morale gets lower. Like, oh, we got to retrain somebody up or, and so if you can increase your percentage chance at a, you know, a positive success on a hire, that one's big. The other example that I just add to what you guys threw out there is you mentioned earlier, but decision-making and being able to lean on those core values there. I like, that's where one, where I think I actually do share and push the core values forward. Um, the other ones I'm, I'm, I don't know, less good at. Um, but when you have something like one of ours is do the right thing. And that one comes up all the time with decision-making. And so, you know, if you're going, Hey, like we're, we don't work with two companies in the same market because then we'd be competing against ourselves and we have to turn away business, but that's the right thing to do. And so, Again, if you can just lean on those, I think that is a huge, huge help. If you guys will send me some of those books, I'll make sure that uh, you guys get those in the show notes. Traction is a great one, but I think, like Wes said, there's probably a dozen or so that he has that we, we can link up. I think Traction has has gained a lot of traction over the last several years. Yeah, you know, when I first read it, I thought it was kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of other books that I've read, but what made the book valuable, I think, to us. And for most people that are in business, you're looking for a practical guide, which is, okay, yeah. I, I get the concept, but how do I do this? Yeah. And, and so all back, the in the back of the book, he actually kind of lays out the steps. Hey, do this first, then do this, then do this. This is the order you want to do these things. And man, I tell you, I thought that was super helpful. And I used that as oh. my crib notes off of that. And that's, that's how we did it ourselves instead of having to Pay someone to come in. He has some pretty good printouts too for some of those exercises. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. He's got his one page strategic plan and, and some other things like that. So all helpful stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a, we haven't checked, but I'm sure there's a whole link up on the web where he's got everything that goes with that. So definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we'll put the links there. Yeah. Highly recommend going through the process again, maybe referencing back to if you are interested in installing this and willing to be committed, you know, then it's a worthwhile process. And if not, then maybe punt it down the road. But I, I think at this point, it, when it goes well, I think a lot of us have seen the benefit from that. But you just want to make sure, hey, if you're going to put the energy in, you want it to go well. So you might as well. Oh, sure, but it, it's worth, I would recommend, hey, it's worthwhile to, to try to do it and try to make it go well. And if it doesn't work the first time, then just try it again. You know, you're going to be in a better place for having tried. Good point. I, I think. And, you know, and like just Wes says, he's, he's done it three times. It worked twice. Didn't work one time. You know, so I think it's worth trying. You know, your company can always be better for it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, good advice. And thank you guys. And for everybody listening, thank you again. We appreciate it. If you feel like this was a helpful episode, go ahead and leave us a review or pass along to a friend or a colleague, somebody that could use this this dialogue and this topic for their business. And uh, we'll see you back here next week on Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thank you.